Thanks so much um, for this invitation to share at the church. And also, I just thought it was quite amazing, the songs and the prayer. Actually, that's pretty much the whole sermon. So, <laughs> and so it was really um, beautiful and a great way to introduce what, what God um, put on my heart to share today, uh, which is about true freedom. So um, a lot of you know, because I work in prison ministry, so uh, we visit the prisons and share the gospel with people inside um, on a regular basis, bringing groups. And Community Church has a group that goes in uh, once a month to Lychee Kok. And of course, we, we're always looking for people to join. So uh, welcome to sign up and join and be a volunteer for that group. Uh, but today, I really want to talk more about um, prison and what, it's, uh, what my experience was when I went into the prison. So when I uh, visited the prison, I saw these people, and they are in there for all sorts of crimes, as you know, for all sorts of reasons. And they're locked away, and they have no freedom. Okay, So they cannot um, walk around by themselves. They cannot wear their own clothes. They only wear one color. Everyone wears the same clothes. They cannot eat or drink or even go to the you know, have a shower when they want to. They are told what to do um, at all times. So they're really um, in prison, <laughs> which means they, are, uh, they have no freedom. And so um, it's, it's a very limited life. And, um, and I was so thankful when I went there that, okay, I, I'm not in prison. I can get out of here <laughs> after I finish my visit. But then when I started talking to them, I started talking to the, the people inside, I found something really quite refreshing and striking and powerful about these conversations with them. Because there was, some, there was some freedom in them that I really envied. This freedom was the freedom of having no masks, no masks, okay? Not talking about the COVID mask. <laughs> I'm talking about no masks to hide who they are, okay? They're already at the lowest place in their life so we all know that they did something bad. <laughs> That's why they're in there. So they had no need to hide or to show that they're anyone but themselves. So they were very open. They were very real. They shared about all their, um, what, you know, their, their problems, their issues, their struggles. Um, they, were just, they were just them. They were just themselves. And so, in fact, in prison, everything is exposed because you're living together with all these people all the time. So you cannot even try to be fake because they will see you because you live with them 24 hours and you're working together, eating together, showering together. <laughs> Everything is together, okay? So there are no masks and so they just have to be out there, okay? So all of their everything, their anger, shame, um, their anxiety, their worries, everything is just out there. And so the issue for them is that for them as a, as a prisoner with this kind of situation, they either face their issues and then deal with it or their life will become even worse, okay, because their issues will just overwhelm them. Other people's things will just overwhelm them and their life become even more miserable. So you might be thinking, wow, this is a, a pretty hard situation. Thank God I'm not in the prison. That's true. A lot of us, we, got, we are not in the prison. That's why we're out here. But you yourselves may be in some kind of prison in your heart. A lot of us, we don't realize it, but 
in our spirit, in our heart, we are actually imprisoned. And a lot of these people in the prison, it started from the things in their heart. And that led them to actions and um, doing things that led them to go to the prison. Okay. I'm not saying that you guys are going to go to prison, but I'm just saying that a lot of us have these inner prisons in our lives um, that trap us, that lead us to, um, you know, to do things that are destructive to ourselves, to our loved ones. And maybe we have more self-control. We don't break the law. But, you know, many of us, we're just like one step from being in prison. Actually, it's not hard to go to prison. Yeah, so, um, so today I wanted to really share about some of these um, mental prisons that we have and how we can really um, get freedom because that's what true freedom is. You see, we may be free out here, but if we are in a prison in our minds, then we are not free. Okay? We are still living as trapped people. So some issues that um, Brenda mentioned in her prayer and also I would like to share about you know, striving and performance approval. This can be a prison, okay? The need to perform and to achieve and to get approval. There's also anxiety and stress, workaholism, feelings of lack, always feeling like I don't have enough, I need more. How come others have more than me? Depression. Other things, I mean, many other things. But I, I wanted to use an example, and this one is very uh, personal to myself, but it was one that was something that trapped me for years and years and years. So this is an exa example of striving and performance approval. So basically, it's this need to keep on doing more and more and more, okay? Whether it is at work or whether it is at church, um, it is striving to receive affirmation. Okay, so the more you do, um, the more affirmation you get and the more you feel better about yourself. Okay? And so that may not seem too bad okay? because it's good to do good things and to work hard and all that kind of thing. But what happens is that that feel-good factor of affirmation very quickly goes away. So you need to do more. Okay? So maybe you're, uh, you know, first of all, now you're, you're say, say I'm serving at church. I was a volunteer and I was, you know, serving the Sunday school. And then people say, oh, that's really great. Well done. That's awesome. So it's like, oh, great. Thank, thank God. And then, um, then, you know, that feeling goes away after a while. And it's like, oh, I need to do more. Okay. So then I start serving in worship. And then the same thing happens. I feel like, it's not enough, so I need to do more. So I'm serving, 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 serving. And then in the end, I feel like I'm doing so much, okay? But that doesn't just happen in the serving. It happens at work as well. Because also you're striving. I was striving like to achieve you know, affirmation at work because that is how I felt good about myself. That when I did something at work, that someone praised me or I achieved an outcome, I felt good about myself. And so there was this constant need to keep on working, working, working. And so the problem with that was that, first of all, that affirmation runs out. <laughs> so you have to keep on doing more. All right. And then you get overwhelmed. And then because you're constantly seeking that affirmation, you're doing so much, some things will start dropping here and there. All right. And then you will start to um, get some criticism. Okay. Because some things are just, maybe not even bad criticism, but that, oh, 
maybe you know you could have um, yeah done a bit more for those kids or you know this kid you know they went a bit naughty and you didn't tell them off or, or you know or at work you know they, they say oh you, you didn't pick this up you, you left this out or someone's not happy with what you're doing so these little criticisms lead you led like would un overbalance the affirmation and would lead to an even worse feeling okay and so then what you had to do was that when you get criticized then you either had to find a way to make up for that by doing even more <laughs> all right or you try to escape so a lot of people um, would do sometimes people they can't take this criticism they feel so terrible so then they go into vices such as drinking smoking pornography sex gambling soaps you know tv soaps um, but for me a lot of what i did was i would just quit <laughs> okay so that was another thing that um, would happen i'd go i'd quit something because i felt it was I was not achieving that because I was getting criticized. So then I would drop out, okay? And then I would look for another thing, all right, to pick up to get that high again. So I would never be able to stick long enough with anything to, um, to do well at it, to really um, plan in the future for it, to let it grow. And myself, I was just constantly running away, you know, taking up new things and running away. And it was this horrible trap. And then, you know, and it's not like I, um, there's also different vices that I end up doing in my life that led me to try to, you know, feel better about myself. So that was like a trap. It was like a prison for me in my life, in my heart. And so a lot of people who are workaholics often have this similar issue, okay, this striving and approval. And so nobody knew that in my heart, I was, ups I was always feeling bad and depressed and I had this issue. Because at the church, I had this mask of being a very good Christian, okay? Who's got it all together, who's got everything, he's doing everything so well, um, and who manages life pretty good, actually. So that um, made it even harder. Because if you're someone who needs approval, you cannot ever let that mask down. You have to always be perfect, right? And show that you can handle it. And I couldn't bear anyone to see my dark side or bear to see my struggles. Um, so I was really trapped because I was this fake person. I was struggling one side like this, the other side having to present this perfect person. So that was my mask. So finally, it got to the stage where um, all this was just too overwhelming. I'd gone to such a bad place that my depression was breaking out. I was burnt out and all these things were uh, totally like out of control. There was nowhere I could go. And so I, I decided I'm just gonna have to run away. I had to leave the country, <laughs> okay? So I left Australia which is where Brenda and I were, and I came to Hong Kong to try and run away. And so I thought that I would start again and make it, you know, everything new, start afresh, but that prison followed me. When I came here, the same ugly issues started arising again. 
And so then I, um, I realised that I was like, it's like prisoner transfer, Australia to Hong Kong. I'm still stuck. I'm still in this horrible situation. And this performance prison was still there. And so it was at this really, really low point in my life that I cried out to Jesus and asked for his help. Around that time, he showed me this passage, this verse from Luke chapter 4, verse 18, which I think is in your bulletins, which says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has appointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. When I cried out to the Lord, he gave me this verse and he said, this is what I'm going to do. That's, he said, I'm going to do this. And I, I just was like, this is what I've always wanted to do. <laughs> okay? I've always wanted to serve the Lord. I've always wanted to do the right thing and do the best thing for God. But I never got very far because every time this issue, this approval issue would lead me to get criticism and lead me to quit. Okay, so I could never really succeed or go far in, in ministry um, because of that. So then I asked the Lord, you know, how can I, how can I do this? And I'm just too weak. I'm too broken. And that's when he opened up this passage in a really amazing way. First of all, he showed me this passage, even though I'm telling you that you're going to do these things, it's not really about you. It's about Jesus, okay? Jesus is the one who's doing this. He, well, he, he's speaking to me. He said, I'm the one who's doing this, okay? Jesus is the one who came to proclaim the good news to the poor. He came to proclaim freedom for the captives and recovery of sight uh, from the blind and to set the oppressed free and proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Here I was trying to achieve these things myself, asking Jesus to help bless me for things that I was doing, but I never really asked him to, um, to help me uh, or to guide me, but I just asked him to bless me. So he was, I'm trying really hard to do these things, but it was not working. Because in reality, I was poor. I was captive to my approval addiction, my depression. I was blinded by my own issues that I couldn't really see the world that it truly was. And indeed, I was oppressed um, by this insatiable need to get approval and performance. So Jesus was going to have to do these things for me first. So how did he help me? You might be wondering. This is the, the key. So first of all, I had to admit that I couldn't work it out myself. I needed, I needed his help. Indeed, in the past, I tried to do it myself. In fact, I've trained in ministry. I'm trained in theology. I tried to self-therapize. You know, I'd go to you know, some counselors, but mostly I tried to self-counsel with all that I knew to make myself better. But actually, it didn't work. So um, I had to admit, okay, I really can't do this. I need external help. I really need you, Jesus. Once I admitted that, the next very natural thing that happened was that when I admitted that I needed help, I just started to 
break down and say, oh no, and that's, all these things came to my mind, all the pride that I had, um, this self-sufficiency, and thinking that I could work things out when actually I'm not that smart. So this was like really like a confession. Okay. So first of all, it was I admitted that I needed help. And the next thing was that this confession just started coming out, started to confess. Then I realized that all this time, I had never really involved Jesus in my life. Even though I tried to serve him, I tried to do things for him, I tried to get his approval, but actually I never included him in my thoughts, in my decision-making, in my, um, you know, my successes, in my failures, in my discussions. I never actually included him. And I think that was because deep down, I was also trying to get his approval as well. You know, I was trying to do all these things to get his approval, to make him happy. But actually, that's not what makes him happy. We don't have to earn our good books, or earn our good books, you know, in God's eyes. I subconsciously was doing that. Even though I may tell to everyone it's all by grace, but in reality, in my life, it was works. The works was trying to do as many good things as possible to please him. So I realized, okay, this I, I needed to change. I needed to uh, realize that I need to include him in my life, not try to, I don't need to please him. I just need to talk to him and include him. And so the, next, the reason why, um, the toughest part then, after that, learning that I need to, in, uh, to include him, the toughest part, which was also the most liberating, was that I had to learn to surrender. I had to learn to surrender um, these things to him. So what did I have to surrender? I had to surrender my plans, my future, my past, and all my deepest heart's desires. I had to cast them onto Jesus. I had to jump into the void, the wormhole of this, this place and say, yes, God, I'm also needing to surrender my deepest fears, and here they are, okay? My deepest fears. I'm stripping off my mask even before my God, <laughs> okay? The, the most, the darkest mask in my life, I had to strip it off before the Lord and to say, here I am, this is my biggest fear, which was actually my biggest fear was that I would be a failure, that I'm a failure. Okay, that was my biggest fear, that I'm a useless person, that I'm a failure. And I had to give that to Jesus. I had to say, here it is, that's it. My biggest fear. And admitting this and just giving that to Jesus was so hard, but it was so amazing. Okay. Because the fact is, he already knows. It's not like he doesn't know. <laughs> okay. He already knows. All right. It was just we who were just too scared to admit it. All right. But once he knew, once I knew that, that he knew that I knew and that you know, I'm just being open, it's like, here it is. I'm giving it to you. It was like a freedom because I knew that God was going to help me. I knew that God was going to show me something different. 
And that took a lot of trust, okay? And that was why it's so hard, because it takes a lot of trust that you can give this to God, that he's going to do something for your future. So once I cast it to Jesus, once I cast everything to Jesus, then that was when um, things started to become quite uh, amazing because he showed me that this is why he went to the cross, okay? He went to the cross to take our fears, our burdens, our suffering, our hardships, um, everything, all these things, that is why he died on the cross, so that we do not have to bear that burden anymore. So I cast it to him and I could see on the cross, it is done, it is dealt with, it's no longer my burden to carry, it's his, and he wants to carry it for us. You know, it's not too heavy for him. This is why he died, so that we can be free. So anyway, I physically cast it to him, and then I knew that moment, my heavenly father, my heavenly daddy was there for me, and he was going to carry me as his daughter on his shoulders. And then he reminded me of all the verses of how much he loved me, and I know that uh, I think Pastor Brenda, she prayed Romans 8. <laughs> so Romans 8, no condemnation in Christ Jesus, but also that I am so precious in his sight that he would never leave me. He is for me and not against me. So suddenly these words started to ring true to my heart because I really could experience him carrying me and taking these burdens from me and showing and reminding me of these words, of these words. And then the next thing he reminded me, he said, you are my child, you're my daughter. I want the best things for you, okay? Does, I mean, most parents want the best things for their children. Whether they know how to show it or not, it's a different thing. But most want the best, okay? And so God, he wants the best for us wants the best for me. <laughs> you know, he wants the best for his children. He said, do you think I don't have a good future for you? Do you think I don't have a good plans for you? A good future for you? Of course. When you were born, I already have great plans for you. And you are going to be useful for me. You are going to be used by me for my purposes, which are most suited for you, your destiny. See, that was my biggest fear, that I was going to be a failure, that I was going to be useless. <laughs> okay. But God said, no, I have something for you. Not what you thought it was, all right? You were trying your own way, but no, I've got something that's better for you, that I know you so well, that you're going to love and you're going to really succeed in that. And I will be used by him for his kingdom work if I continue to walk with him. So then, from that moment on, once God reminding you of these these thoughts, once he started to remind me of Romans 8 and his love for me and that he had a plan and purpose for me, that was when I experienced true freedom. That was when I would rest, no more strive and just talk to the Lord and walk with him. And he would guide me day by day, little things. And from there, I could see things start changing in my life. So I've been in this role for 14 years now, 
that's the longest ever, <laughs> okay, <laughs> for me. And many people have quit and many people, even, you know, people have moved on, but I have continued to stay in this role. And that, I can tell you, is a miracle, <laughs> okay. But also, I mean, I've been criticised. I mean, many, many things go wrong and, you know, um, things, my performance has not always been fantastic, <laughs> okay. I uh, just do what I can by the grace of God. But it doesn't bother me anymore, okay? It doesn't lead me to feel terrible. I just know it's the grace of God. You know, we just, I just talk to God about it. How can we deal with this issue, you know? And then he gives me wisdom to move forward, okay? And so, um, you know, this is the thing. In the prison, now that I share in the prison, I see that inside, they too can have a purpose. Okay, you might think out here it's easy, it's easier uh, actually inside as well. If they are free in their spirit, they are also free in every way. So inside, I've seen them, I've seen many of the prisoners, that their lives have been changed. Once they hear this good news about Jesus, once Jesus sets them free in their heart, they have so much purpose in their life. So even though they're stuck with these uniform things that they have to do, but they are um, able to share the goodness of God with their, their friends inside. And they're even able to bless their enemies. And quite a lot of people have been so surprised by that, that they've come to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And, and they too experience healing and freedom in their heart. So I've seen people healed from depression inside. I've seen people healed physically. You see a lot of miracles happen. I've seen them reunite with their families, reconcile in really spectacular ways. People whose children were lost, but then when they were in the prison, when they experienced this freedom from Christ, they prayed, they trusted God, and then long lost children contacted them, found a way to contact them, and they were reunited, even though only through the phone because <laughs> they, they can't physically see each other. But it was just amazing. You see many miracles. God can give people purpose no matter where you are. No matter what situation, God has a purpose and plan for you. Um, I'll just give you an example also, um, a story of one of the inmates. So she, um, she only knew this, this, um, the freedom of Christ after about 10 years in sight. Okay? And then after she received Christ, she wanted to be used by God. She has a long sentence doesn't know, um, it's going to be a long time before she gets out. But she said, Where, whatever time I have, I just want God to use me. So anyway, she just um, does her thing. She shares the gospel. She writes to people. But then one day she was taken to um, the seal lamb, which is the mental, uh, mental prison, the mental institution. And it was kind of a very, it was kind of like a misunderstanding. And so she was put there without... Um, any real reason, actually. And she felt so unjust, it was so terrible, and she's going to complain, and then all these things. But then I went to see her, and then um, we prayed together. And then the next time I went to see her, something miraculous had happened. When she was there, um, the, the superintendent was, they do inspection every day, and they come at a certain time and inspect the prison, make sure that prisoners are in order and everything like that. And the superintendent came that day to see her, just to inspect her cell. And as she was in the cell, 
she, um, she had a prompting from God. And then the prompting she said to the superintendent, she said, um, your husband's going to be okay. Okay, it was just the prompting. That was all that she said. And the superintendent just cried, okay, because she didn't, because nobody knows that her husband was in a really bad state in terms of health. But somehow God had given this inmate this word of God that she could say this to the superintendent. And then she was just like, how did you know? And she said, oh, God told me. So then she was able to pray for her, pray for the super. And, um, and it was like a way that she shared the gospel with her. And so it was basically she was only there for such a short time. But in that time, she had to give this message to this person to bless them and share the gospel with them. And then, and then she was back to her normal self. Okay, so then she was sharing this story with me. I was like, yeah, this is amazing, you know, this kind of thing. God can, you know, God could only use you to do that. Nobody else, only you, you know. Um, and so, so that is how he can use people, you know, even in their situation. He can give you a purpose no matter where you are. So, um, anyway, so this is, this is how... Um, when we, when we trust in the Lord, you need to know that he can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. We've, I thought I could do a lot with my own power. In fact, it's very little, okay? I thought I was smart. I thought I was, um, you know, I was able, I was wise, you know, I could counsel, I could do all sorts of things. But once I started walking with Jesus, I realized that my wisdom is nothing. It is so little. Real wisdom comes from Jesus. And that wisdom is uh, something that can really uh, transform and change your life. So, um, so how can you be free? What are some practical steps to get there? First of all, have a true relationship with Jesus. If you're not close to him, he's far away from you, um, then that is not what he wants. He wants a real relationship with you, okay? Get to know him as your personal saviour. Jesus, he's God, but he's personal. He wants to be near you and he wants you to be near him. He wants to have conversations with you. He wants to walk with you. He's your heavenly papa and he wants the best for you. Second of all, how can you have true freedom? Be honest with him. Be truly, truly honest with him, just like I did. Share everything. Just tell him everything. He will never feel upset, okay? He loves to hear your voice. You can even get upset with him. You can even get mad at him. Just do it, okay? He'd rather you get mad and talk to him than you get mad and ignore him, okay? Talk to him. Just tell him everything. It's a two-way relationship. Third, surrender your burdens to him. Surrender everything. Hand over your sins, your fears, your worries, and your sufferings, everything. Hand, cast your burdens unto Jesus, for he cares for you. Okay. And fourth, ask for his love. More and more of his love. Okay. Ask him to show you what a good father is and say, I need more of your love. I need it to, you know, to, to carry me, to help me walk with me. So that's from Romans 8, 37 to, 38, to 39. There's nothing that can separate you from the love of God. If he can love the serial rapists and the pedophiles, he can love you, okay? 
Nothing can separate you from his love. And once you receive this, you will start to receive freedom and healing. And once you've got it, tell yourself, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. Don't say, I'm a recovering, I'm still recovering, I'm still growing. No, it is done. When Jesus died on the cross, he took the burdens from you. It is done. You are healed, you are free. You are now a child of God. You are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Tell yourself, that person is no longer me. I am now a child of God. I have a purpose and a plan, and he's going to use me for, for good. So, whom the sun sets free is free indeed, and you are free in Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.